This is week 58 in the book of Revelation. Um, we'll finish it sometime in the next six months or so, four chapters ago. But it's been a blessing. Remember when we started the blessing that was given to us right in chapter one, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy, keep the things written in it. And whenever we begin a journey in the Bible together and, and, uh, and finish, I, we always see God do an amazing work in our midst. And so it's wonderful, wonderful for us to be able to see this today. We have made it down through verse 19 of chapter 18, and we're going to pick it up today in verse 20, continue to see the things that the Lord is saying to us as he continues to bless us. And a miracle happened at first service. I finished early with time on the clock, which is really good and made for good fellowship in between. So we'll try that again. Um, we'll see what happens. But if you would grab your Bibles and stand and let's pick it up at verse 20. We'll read through the end of the chapter and then we'll dive in and see what the Lord has to say to us. Um, so if you're there, say amen. amen. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall be found no more. I hear pages. So this is chapter 18, verse 21. Picking it up now in verse 22. The sound of harpists, musicians, flutists, trumpeters shall not be heard in you anymore, nor craftsmen or any craft shall be found in you. And the sound of the millstone shall not be heard in you anymore. The, the, the light of the lamp shall not shine in you anymore. And the voice of the bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. For by your sorceries, all the nations were deceived, and in her was found the blood of the prophets and saints and all who were slain on the earth. And so, Father, we do thank you this morning, Lord, for this, the word that you've given us, this text, Lord God. I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds, that you would speak to us by your spirit, Lord, that we would feast upon it and that we would grow in understanding even of the times that we live in and a sense of urgency, Lord, uh, because of the times which are coming. And I pray that you would remove the, the, the things that hinder, the distractions, uh, the, the cares of this life, the burdens of this world, even the distractions that are within the room, Lord God, from our hearts and from our minds that we would focus in on what you would have to say, that you would teach us by your Holy Spirit, that we may be encouraged, instructed. And even correct it where necessary, Lord, that we would be continuously conformed into your image. We surrender to that now. In Jesus' name, we say together, amen. amen. You may be seated. And so, if you remember chapter 17 and chapter 18 is dedicated to the destruction of what we call Mystery Babylon. We saw that in chapter 17, and it's kind of a parenthetical insert. It's kind of giving us detail concerning the system, which is called Mystery Babylon, both the religious system and a commercial system. Y'all remember these things, right? Um, which is being judged um, partly throughout and at the end of the tribulation. Remember, chapter 6 through 16 is literally the, ju uh, the judgment upon the earth, the, the great tribulation, which we know. And now God is going back to deal with Babylon. It would seem that he keeps remembering 
uh, Babylon, it keeps coming before him. In fact, in chapter 16, Babylon came before his memory again to give her judgment. And this has been something that's been brewing in the heart of the Lord since ancient times, I believe, all the way back to Babel when Nimrod, the first world dictator, you remember we talked about all of this, uh, built the first major city and, and the major, first major empire, if you will, in defiance against God. And we see all of these things happening. The one thing that we've been noticing as we go through this is that there's a city being dealt with. Did y'all notice that as we've gone through the scriptures? Remember chapter 17, verse 18, it's the great city Babylon. We even saw it last week in chapter uh, 18, verse 10, the great city Babylon is being destroyed. Uh, verse 19 of this same chapter, the great city Babylon, and we just read it in verse 21, the great city Babylon. So it's interesting that we keep getting this repetition. It seems to be that this city is even being destroyed to some degree because if you remember, the kings of the earth and the merchants stand off at afar. Y'all remember that, right? For fear of her torment. And so it seems as though possibly we have this city, which is the head headquarters of the final global empire that the beast will be the head of, uh, powered by Satan. Y'all know that, right? We saw that back in chapter 13. Is literally, um, I like this kid. <laughs> He's got a Bible and he knows how to say amen. Um, oh, yeah, I, yeah. So, no, there's two different kids over there. We got two of them. That's right. <laughs> awesome. Yes. Praise the Lord. Um, and so... Where was I? <laughs> so there seems to be a headquarter city here as well as a, a global system that's tied together. Now, this great city, Babylon, in John's day, um, remember chapter 17, verse 18 says, the woman which you saw is that great city which rules over the kings of the earth. In John's day, that was Rome. Okay, so now in modern times or excuse me, in the final days, I believe that this global system, which will come back together, the scripture tends to tell us that will be divided into a 10 region system led by and controlled by the beast. Um, everybody in the kingdom now that's left has taken most of them have taken the mark of the beast, which has altered them to some degree because based upon that, they no longer have the ability to be saved. They have these loathsome sores that have broke out on their bodies. Y'all remember all of those things, right? And then those who have not taken the mark of the beast, um, who do, uh, many of them tend to believe, it seems, they have been heavily persecuted. And that's the condition that this kingdom or this empire is in at this point. And this city is being judged. So many believe that the city is Rome. They see Vatican City uh, now being in Rome, the Catholic Church seeming to fit a lot of the things which we are seeing. But as I've been telling you, I believe that the Catholic Church is a part of this system, but is not it in and of itself, although there are many, many similarities. It could be that there's a literal city that's going to be built in Iraq in the future. In fact, as I've already told you, even that Saddam Hussein, Saddam Hussein is now dead, there's still a, a project that is on the way to restore um, it, uh, that area to its former glory. There, there are so many that are still intrigued, if you will, with that. And so that could be a possibility. It could be that God allows all of that to happen so he can judge it where it all began. If you remember in the book of Zechariah, we see this two storks with the woman in the basket with the uh, uh, lead disc upon it, all commercial items being taken out to the plain of Shinar to, to set it on a base or a foundation which is prepared for it in the future. So it could be that all of that is coming into view. We're not sure, but there is a great city 
which is being destroyed. And if you remember, the kings of the earth were weeping last week and the merchants. And one of the reasons that they were weeping, the kings who had committed fornication, if you will, with this, with this woman, this system, if you will, as well as the merchants of the earth, these kings had given their power and authority to this system for their own personal financial gain is what the scriptures tend to be implying. And we see that happen all the time on the earth today, even within our own country, uh, where politicians who get very wealthy while being in public service, um, which is something that amazes me. How can that be, you know? Do y'all agree? Do y'all know that? Okay. All right. So we see those things. But if you remember in verse 14, the reason that they were really brokenhearted was not because the city was being judged and people were dying in its destruction. We don't know whether that destruction was a natural disaster or some type of a nuclear fallout. We're not sure. But verse 14 tends to tell us it's because the fruit that their souls longed for was gone from them. In other words, they no longer were able to make money and get wealthy in this system off the backs of people who were being exploited and manipulated and taken advantage of, as we talked about last week, the whole globe being caught up in this system. And remember, it was back in chapter um, 18, verse 4, where God or a voice from heaven said, come out of her, my people. Y'all remember that voice? At that last hour, still crying out to those upon the earth who had not taken the mark of the beast to come out of this system, for she is about to be judged. In fact, it was James over in the Apostle James who wrote in James chapter 5, verses 1 through 6, the coming judgment. James flavors it this way. He says, come now, you rich, weep and howl for your misery that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted. Your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. I'm going to come back to it. You remember last week, the destruction of this city took place in one hour. Do y'all remember that? It happened very fast. And you have to even imagine, because even now we look at the things that are going on in the world and many people wonder what's going to happen with our own economy. And you even think, man, are we going to lose what, what we've been blessed to put aside? I mean, all of you, you don't have to nod, have wondered this in the last year. As you see, every time you see a, a stimulus, this package with the T trillion before it, you begin to wonder, is my money going to be worth anything by this time next year? Because there's no way our economy can survive this long term, you know? And so we understand, but in one day, all of this system comes to nothing. Notice that James goes on to say, indeed, the wages of the laborers who, uh, who mowed your fields, notice, which you kept back by fraud, cried out, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. You lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in a, the day of slaughter. Remember, Babylon is being judged because she's lived luxuriously. And notice it says the wages that were kept back by fraud are crying out to God. Y'all see that? There's a sense. Remember last week we talked about Abel. We'll get into it in a minute. Abel's blood crying out from the ground. God judging Judah in the Old Testament because they, they failed to do right, to plead for the widow, to plead for the orphan. And, and I keep getting this sense as we're reading through the scriptures that these things come before God and grieve him. See, in heaven there's a sticky note on his desk. Remember Babylon and everything 
Don't forget to judge Babylon, the system of the world that he is going to destroy. Uh, and that day is coming. And he says, come out of her, my people, for her sins are reached up to heaven. We read that last week. And we need to understand that. Remember, John says that we are to not love the world and the things of the world because it's passing away. It's going to nothing. Come out from among her. Be ye separate is the cry of God even in this hour to the church. As we continue to read this and see things unfolding, verse 20, we got to pick it up where we left off. Verse 20 now says, rejoice over her, O heaven. Do you see that? Let's put it in perspective. This is the end of the tribulation. We believe at this point, and look, most of us are pre-trip rapture people. We believe that we are in heaven. This indicates that even from heaven then, there's going to be some indication of the things that are going on on the earth. And even, even if, listen, even if you're not a pre-tribulation rapture, whatever view you take at this point, you're probably there because we've done the calculation of how many people die during the tribulation, Right. It's not something you think you're going to survive. You know, it's very, very difficult. So at this point, he is saying, rejoice over her, O heaven, which I like because there seems to be an indication that in heaven, there are points in which we have an indication of the things going on on the earth. And we are instructed to rejoice all heaven over the destruction of this system which has exploited and manipulated and taken advantage of people upon the earth. Remember last week, we looked at the fact that this system has traded the souls of men, slavery, even in modern times, and we talked about that. Now, in heaven, we don't know if there we always know what's going on down here. But there are times when announcements are made, okay? In heaven, there's some type of system of announcement. How do we know? Because the Bible says all heaven rejoices when one soul comes to faith. Did y'all know that? So every time we through our lives evangelizing and sharing the word and somebody comes to know Christ, there's a rejoicing that happens in, in heaven amongst those who are there for that brand new soul that came to faith here even in the, at the destruction of Babylon. So heaven's going to be a wonderful and a beautiful place. There are going to be times where we will rejoice in the work of God as it pertains to the things that are going on down here because we're desiring even waiting for God to wrap these things up. Remember, the Bible says that the earth groans even now waiting for the revelation of the sons of God in chapter six the souls who had been martyred for their testimony of Jesus Christ said Lord how long before you judge our blood among those who are on the earth and so here at this final hour heaven is rejoicing and in particular notice you holy apostles and prophets both the old and the new testament prophets are rejoicing because God has avenged you on her. He's avenged her. We're going to get into, into verse 24 in a moment where we we'll talk about it more, but he's avenging the blood of his saints upon the system which has taken their lives. And we'll come back to that in a moment. Verse 21, y'all doing all right? Verse 21 says, then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, thus with violence, the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found anymore. So this angel, if you will, illustrates the destruction that is happening to Babylon by taking a great millstone, which is a commercial uh, uh, instrument for grinding uh, grain and things of that sort, and he throws it into the sea. We know this. We talk about it in the Gospels. Remember, Jesus said that if anyone were to make cause one of these little ones to stumble, y'all remember that? 
it'd be better for a millstone to be tied around his neck and cast into the sea. That's what Sunday school Jesus said about those who would cause the little ones to be stumbled. A millstone is a very, very large rounded stone, which they would use to to uh, grind the grain in, in the areas to to be able to, to make the. Uh, the various agricultural products to separate them and, and, and grind them into uh, a powder. And so Jesus said, I mean, imagine a millstone be tied around somebody's neck and they thrown into the sea. Can you get that? I mean, that's worse than what the Italians um, who y'all that uh, came down from New York um, have shared with me the things that went on there in the Hudson. Um, anyway, anyway, <laughs> I was actually warned by a family not to have that conversation again, so we'll edit that out. Um, so he illustrates this. This is the way God is going to destroy Babylon very quickly and totally done at the end of the, 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 the hour of humanity upon the earth before the Lord comes back. And so verse 22 and the first part of verse 23, God begins to talk about some of the activities that will cease calling it out because in the midst of the, 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 the slavery and the poverty and the exploitation, notice he says here, the sound of the harpists, the musicians and flutists and trumpeters shall not be heard in you anymore. There'll be no more concerts. There'll be no more making of music. Those things which have entertained and even taken and captivated the minds and the hearts of people. Satan, of course, being a master with music, using it to corrupt. So that won't be heard anymore. Notice, nor craftsmen or any craft shall be found in you anymore. And John, John is reading this, and John is thinking about the society in which he lived in, Rome, which Greco, the Greco-Roman Empire was amazing. It was sophisticated. It was cultured. Um, notice he, he describes no more the millstone, no craftsmen, no industry, basically. Um, verse 23, the light of the lamp will not shine on you anymore. In other words, you know, if you remember, the Romans built roads that were greater than anything that had come before, and they had them lit with, with lamps along the way. They had street lights. Amazing culture that was going on. So John would have seen at that point, what, which was the most amazing technology in all the earth to that point, he had a, a, a view of that so he can even relate to what we see today, which is even more greater, or greater than anything that has come before that. You know, and it says all of that will come to cease in this great city, Babylon. And notice it won't any longer be life as usual because even the voice of the bridegroom and the bride shall not be heard anymore. Everything now is coming to a close. It is coming to an end, and it shall not be found anymore. But what really got me, and, and I get caught in the scripture sometimes, and I don't want to rush through it. I want you to I want to slow down and show you the end of verse 23. Two things. No, number one, notice it says, for your merchants were the great men of the earth. Now, I begin to look at that. That says a lot. Um, this word for great men in the Greek, and I didn't put it in my notes, but it's only used three times in all of the New Testament, and it speaks of the noble ones. It speaks of the wealthy ones, the politicians, those who, if you will, are the elite. Those are the merchants of the earth, and it's very different 
from what a vibrant society would look like. God dealt with Tyre the same way in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 23, verse 8 on the screen, he says, Who has taken this counsel against Tyre, the crowning city? Tyre was a splendid city on the coast with ships that took merchandise all over the world. He says, the crowning city, notice whose merchants are princes, whose traders are the honorable of the earth. And they did. They sent their princes and their noblemen and their politicians around to do the trading. But it's very different. Listen, remember I told you this Babylonian system is very different than how God designed Israel. Y'all remember that? This is a very different description from a vibrant society. If you've traveled the world and you go into various places, what you see sometimes is a bustling uh, type of uh, economy that can go on when the common person can actually make a living for themselves. You ever been places, other countries, where you can literally buy anything on the street at the hand of the common man? whether it's all types of food being cooked, it blows your mind because it's, it's most of it homegrown stuff we don't get anymore, or jewelry even, and handmade bags and things that, that they make in industry to make a living for themselves, and they're extremely at, overjoyed because this is their product that they, that they created, which they're selling, and they negotiate for. You ever been in one of those places? It's a wonderful thing to go into marketplaces in, in other countries and see that. But here in verse 23, it says, your merchants were not the common people who were doing what they had the ability to do, but they were the great men of the earth. In other words, in this system, as I've shared with you, this, this Babylonian system, which is even in existence now and is headed towards one final global system led by the beast, that is not the case. In fact, what this system is, is a system that's controlled by global elites in which they desire us to be a working class of slave that they can control the population of the earth. And I think that uh, we see that even happening today. Um, it's an it's a ideology uh, conflict of, of those who think that government can, can do everything and they take away, if you will, the, the, the drive and the entrepreneur spirit of people who have the ability to create and do better for themselves. And, and, and this is an ideology that we're fighting with in our own country. And as I read this, where it says your merchants were the great men of the earth, I was sitting down at Boulevard Coffee on Friday reading this text. And the first person that popped in my mind was Bill Gates. He's one of the merchants, if you will, as an example, who became wealthy selling computer technology. But now he's a health expert, creating vaccines and controls much of the agriculture around the world, owns farms in almost every state in America. He even owns over 800 acres in North Carolina. Through his integrated sorcery, he has been able to sublim uh, send subliminal messages through electronic devices to spy on us, market to us, and entrap us into a system which enslaves and takes advantage of the people of the earth. And y'all might say, Pastor Kevin, he's lost it again. <laughs> but I got I to gotta read to you for a moment. Bear with me. Bill Gates is caught up in a lot of different things, but these things didn't originate with him. These were things that originated with his family, which was very tied in with the global elites and very involved in Planned Parenthood. 
And one of the things that's been documented that they're all caught up in is, is this quote I'll read to you. Um, and several of these are coming out of some, some documents and some statements that were made by these different foundations, including Parent Parenthood. But one, it says, if, if the food production of the world can be controlled, then so can the world's population. Population control is very important to global elites. They believe that, that it needs to be uh, it needs to be tempered, it needs to be reduced, it needs to be controlled at a certain level. Um, as if God didn't create an earth that can, can sustain all that, that his creation can produce. He said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. God has no problem with population boom. Only the global elites do. So the main focus of food control has been agriculture with de uh, denomination of the seed market being salt by the major companies that started in the, in the, in that part started in the mid 1900s when the biotech, excuse me, 1990s when the biotech companies like Monsanto's and several others have the ability to control uh, the seed production, if you will. Um, and so they consolidate, they brought up more than, there was five of them, they brought up more than 200 other companies uh, between them to dominate the farming industry. Monsanto in particular has been the subject of much criticism in the tactics that it uses to try to uh, uh, dominate the market and keep prices high. Also, their involvement in governments and other corporations. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation brought 500 shares of Monsanto in 2010 for more than 23 million. The foundation has been heavily criticized in the United States and Africa um, for investing in a GM company that has a history of blatant disregard for the welfare of small farmers around the world. The foundation has also invested $10 million in a project in Mozambique um, with another partner, a giant in, in the agriculture world, and known for aggressive tactics. Here it is, what we talked about this last week, use of slave labor, which is huge in the earth today, as I shared with you last week. Slave labor uh, and, and, and many other things, a uh, little bit more. So one of the things they're into is seeds. The seeds produced by these large biotech companies are genetically modified and patented, uh, making them expensive for small farmers to afford, meaning that the agra and similar initiatives closely associated with the big five biotech companies are creating a farming elite part of the contract is supplying farmers with gmo seeds is that they are forbidden part of the contract is that they are forbidden to use them more than once and forbidden to pass them on to other farmers and even farmers in my hometown homes county of northampton county were complaining of this my father was sharing it with me years ago now, both Monsanto and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation also have uh, been tied up again in this population control theology. Stay with me for a moment. And a television program on PBS network titled Bill Moyers Interviews Bill Gates. Gates discloses that his father, William H. Gates Sr., who is also the founding member, a founding member of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, was head of Planned Parenthood at some point, and both parents were strong and active believers in eugenics. If you don't know what eugenics is, eugenics is um, a, the science of making designer humans, basically, um, manipulating human genome and, and processes to identify 
uh, and promote uh, desirable traits. They even use sterilizations um, to, to try to slow down the reproduction of human beings amongst what they would consider non-desirables. Um, those of darker skin were what they considered non-desirables. Remember, I've shared these things with you over and over and over and over. Um, even within the African-American uh, community, both uh, Planned Parenthood's uh, abortion processes as well as sterilizations have reduced a people from uh, 19 to 20 percent at one point down to 13 percent today because Margaret Singer, founder of Planned Parenthood, said that we can't compete with them at the cradle. So they needed to do something about it. Let me stay on task. So according to Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Gates' father has contributed his resources in reproductive and child health within the foundation. Bill Gates himself in the same interview said that he had been a firm believer in the work of Robert Mathis. You can look this stuff up who in an essay of The Principle of Population published in 1798 commended the use of eugenics. And I'll stop there because it's too much to get into. So these global elites, computer scientists, is involved in all of these things to manipulate reproduction within certain, certain aspects of society, controlling farming, controlling water supplies, things of that sort. Now, the medical director for Planned Parenthood, a guy by the name of Dr. Richard Day, a couple of quotes, and I'm going to get back on task. Spoke about the fact that suppressing cancer cures was a good means of population control. And in a speech that he delivered in the early 1900s and then later in 1960s, he said that um, we can cure almost every cancer right now. This was 1969. Um, information is on film in the Rockefeller Institute of its ever, if it's ever decided that it should be released. Many people who were there, they were urged not to take notes. They were dumbfounded by what they were hearing. He went on to, to explain, quote, he says, but consider if people stop dying of cancer, how rapidly we would become overpopulated. You may as well die of cancer as of something else, is the mentality of global elites who see the population of the world as simply a commodity and a working class. And so this is the, the system in which uh, we live under as human beings upon the earth to some degree. And you might say, Pastor Kevin, I just, it's too much for me to actually believe. Well, let me explain this to you. The Bible says this, that the heart of man is desperately wicked, Okay. And that, the, that, that those who don't, don't believe we used to be that way before we got saved are led by the prince of the power of the air who now works in the sons of disobedience, meaning Satan himself who manipulates the population of the earth. And the only thing that makes us different is the spirit of God that lives within us, that convicts us of sin and brings us to a place of, of, of being brokenhearted over sin and loving God and wanting to be led by him. And even for us, there is a battle within us. The Bible says that the spirit uh, lusts against the flesh and vice versa. So we don't do the things we want. So even in the midst of believers, there's an internal battle as the Holy Spirit is trying to lead us closer to God, right? And our flesh just wants to sin. Okay. So why would we find it hard to believe 
that the world would take these measures. Um, we think government wants to look out for us. I don't understand. Come out of her, my people, is what God says. Wake up and draw close to him. Now, he's not calling us to take up arms and fight. He's calling us to check out and understand and surrender to him in such a way that he can use our lives to a greater degree in the times that we live in. Do y'all understand that? That's really what he's calling us to do because the world is wicked and we're supposed to have already known it because we're reading the word of God itself, which is telling us these things. We don't put faith in government and politicians. We don't put faith in corporations and, and wealthy people who who uh, come up with legislation that sounds good for us when it's really not. No, we, we have to rely fully on the Lord to lead us and guide us. And to some degree, believers have to check out of the system of this world and not leave the world, but not be slaves to it, to be able to do things differently. Notice the next part of the verse, because he says, for your merchants were the great men of the earth. But he says this, for by your sorcery, all the nations were deceived. And I'm sorry, as I read it, I get caught up in the text. He's used sorcery a couple of times. We know the Greek word is pharmakeia. We know that in the Old Testament it's used um, and it talks about various things. And in the New Testament it's used in pharmakeia is where we get the English word pharmacy. Um, and pharmaceuticals, we understand all of that. How does that, all of that tie together? Well, it all ties together. It all ties into witchcraft, whether it's the drug industry or the pornography industry. And how do they all run together with false religions? Well, because in the Old Testament, all false religion involved illicit sex, even homosexual sex as rituals along with drug use as they offered themselves in these rituals to other gods, plus the, the destruction of children in the fire. All of those ancient religions had all of that stuff of which we can tie abortion, drug use, and uh, sexual immorality to today. The rainbow flag, Satan's flag, it all ties together. Here's an interesting verse I like, 2 Kings 9.22. And now it happened when Jerem saw Jehu that he said, is it peace, Jehu? He asked him the question. I don't like Jehu's answer. You can go read it in your own time. But he says, so he answered, what peace? As long as the holotries of your mother Jezebel and her witchcraft are so many. In other words, there can't be peace here in Judah as long as uh, that Jezebel is still alive. But what was Jezebel? Remember, we talked about Jezebel. She was, she was, yes, she was manipulative and all of that kind of stuff. But she was a priestess of a Babylonian religious system that worshiped Baal through sexual intercourse, drug use, cutting, and, 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 and even offering of children and all of those things that were going on there in Judah all ties together. And now we look at the times we live in and we look at America. America is addicted to drugs, addicted to pornography, addicted to abortion for convenience. And in order for the globe, and I keep telling you this, there's a global system that's coming together. And in order for that to happen, all nations, all organizations are moving in one direction of globalism. And one of the big issues and big obstacles is America. 
America as we know it is in the way of those who are global thinkers and those who are global elites who manipulate things behind the scenes. You know, as I look at things that have unfolded, it's, it's obvious. It's obvious that there's something going on behind the scenes if you look at how things are unfolding even in America. And the world, right up to the end, will refuse. Remember Revelation 9, 21, weeks ago when we looked at it, it said, uh, right in the midst of all of the judgment, half the population of the world dead already by the time you get to chapter 9 in the tribulation. And verse nine, chapter 9, verse 21 says, and they did not repent of their murders and their sorceries, pharmakeia, and their sexual immorality, porneia is, is the word in the Greek, or their thefts. They refuse to turn to God and repent of those things. And this is where the world is, and now we see where the world is headed in the system that's going to be judged by God. And so God is calling us out. So verse 24, as we get ready to wrap up early, this is two services in a row. <laughs> verse 24 says, and in her... Let me back up. Let me back up. I'm sorry. So he says, for your merchants were the great men of the earth and for by your sorceries. Notice I explain what sorceries are, but notice by your sorceries, all the nations were deceived. It's interesting as you begin to think about that. It's through all of these things in this commercial system. This commercial system with corrupt politicians and, and, and global elites who are manipulating things to their own advantage that they would be rich on the back of basically a population of slaves. And it's through how all of the manipulation has happened with drugs and sex and all of these things, which uh, those who were high up in Planned Parenthood said that was part of their agenda to do those things, to promote sexual uh, promiscuity, to promote uh, drug use and all of these things. And, and not only that, just the marketing of everything. See, the thing is, we're so hooked on their electronic devices that every time I have a conversation, when I pick the thing up, it's advertising to me what I just talked about. And it's constant so that it stays in our face. And then we think we need to buy what it is that it's showing us that, it, you know, and all of these things and the apps you use are communicating back and forth with Google. And it's a marketing game to constantly entrap. And yet in all of this, God says, hey, check out of it. Get along with me. Turn it off. You don't have to have it. We're hooked. We're addicts. But we got to check out because it's keeping us from hearing the voice of God. I really believe it. And so in, in her was found the blood of the prophets and the saints, Old Testament and New now, this keeps coming up, y'all. Look, give it to you a couple of places. Chapter 16, verse 16. For they have shed the blood of the saints and the prophets, and God has given them blood to drink, for it is their just due, as he, remember, turned the water to blood. Revelation 17, 6. I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. One of the reasons he marveled is because part of what was guilty of this blood was what a system that actually looked like a religious system, yet it's killing believers. And in her here is found the blood of the prophets and the saints. This same system, ladies and gentlemen, from all the way back, Assyria and Egypt and Assyria and Babylon and all of them, Persia, Greece, Rome, all the way back that far to what's coming next and even what we're living in now is guilty of persecuting God's people. And what's hard for us to fathom as Americans is the fact that 
we live in a time where there's been more martyrdom in the last century, in the last few decades, than in the previous 2,000 years of the church or 1,900 and something years of the church um, because the population has boomed. And in so many countries, Islam and Hindus and others are killing and persecuting Christians. And God sees all of this. All of this comes up before him. And he's patient and he's long-suffering because ultimately his goal is to save souls out of the earth because our future is splendid. You know, what's ahead of us is amazing. So we haven't been, look, we haven't been called to take up arms and judge the system for him. But we have been called to be salt and light, stay close to him and allow him to use our lives while we're still here. This is where the world is going. And we know that and we see that. But as we saw in verse 20, and as we're going to see next week when we get into chapter 19, we can rejoice with all of heaven because God sees it. Nothing gets past him and he has plans to judge it. And what he wants for his people in the last days and especially the time that we have. And even if you don't think you're living in the last days, you got last days because we only get about 80, 90 years anyway. <laughs> so reality is we don't have a lot of time. And so the time we have, we need to allow the Lord to work in our lives and we need to be prepared look to stay in fellowship to encourage one another to stay in the word and be used of the Lord wherever it is we go with all of your your sphere of influence let the Lord use you he's going to judge the world for all that the world has done remember God is not coming to fix the world up he hasn't said that we're going to make it better no the scripture is it's headed to destruction and he's saving souls out of it in, along the way amen we know that let's stand and let's pray father we do thank you for revealing your plans to us through your prophets, through the apostles, those who wrote the scripture. You said that it was all God-breathed, all inspired by you as you moved on them to write that we may know your will and your plans for the future and that we would take comfort in it, Lord, that you have a plan for us. And we thank you for that, Lord. In fact, you said through Paul that we should comfort ourselves with the words of the hope of your coming to meet the church in the air for us to be caught up to you and to be with you for all eternity. That is our blessed hope that we look forward to. So we say, come Lord Jesus, we thank you for being here with us today. Lord, I pray your blessing upon all who are gathered here this morning until we meet again in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's sing.